I'm Perry. This is Hidden Plain Side. And to my right, star of all things, Blaze TV, the one and only Mr. Brandon. Slow motion for me. Steel. Slow motion for me. We got a bomb NPR. We can't. Uh, look, not for what Juvenile did there, but there, you weren't in the room. There was a part in that tiny desk concert where they panned to the audience. Is white women? I wish. That would have been an upgrade. It, uh... You know that page in every math textbook from back in the day where it was like the kid in the wheelchair, the Asian woman, the oh, gay yeah. guy? Yeah, the Degrassi lineup. It looked like that. Well, they and, have to have diversity. It was a bunch of them smiling, listening to Juvenile. I don't like it. I don't uh, I don't like what they're doing there. Someone has to put a stop to it. Yeah, it's, no one in that crowd knew the fuck Juvenile was. No, it, and they have to like it because, yeah. like, when the camera pans to them, I think they're smiling so they don't get fired for being racist. It would have been so much funnier if it was just, like, 30 ratchet black folks and we're just partying in a library. That's what it should be. Yeah, Isn't there just, an NPR in Atlanta or something? Just, no, I want them in that same one, just twerking fucking... Drinking 40s, smoking blunts, and just this little library. That would be a much better version of NPR, because let's be real. NPR has fallen a long way. Journalism there is I literally, the the tiny desk is the only good thing they do at this point. Yes, it's been the only good thing they've been doing for a few years And the tiny desk is only cool because they accidentally went like, hey, what if we had someone rap to acoustics? Yes, to a bunch of uh, white office moms. Yeah, what if we did uh, rap music but for white people? Yes, in a, in a non-scary environment. Yeah, That's what really what we, it is. What if we gentrified rap? What if we sanitized it, made yeah. it palatable for advertisers? Less urban. Yes. All right. Uh, fuck. David Wilcock. The Michael Prophecies, where we're back into it. Uh, he he did a, this is a cool move. So remember this, this series of books was supposed to be a trilogy, correct? Right. Well, this book is titled Book Four. And some of you may be thinking, well, how do you have four books in a trilogy? He uh, Initially, he made the choice. It was going to be books one, two, and three. Then book one came out, and he, he made the decision that books two and three would be split into book two, part one, book two, part two, book yes. three, part one, book three, part two, which already convoluted enough. Now, after releasing book, how many times is this? This is, After releasing book two, part two, yes. now in what should be the beginning of book three. three, I think, or book three, part two, whatever the fuck it is. He's now decided it's a five-part series, so now this is book four instead of whatever it was supposed to be previous. So now there's just going to be five books instead of theoretically six. Uh, no, now there's there's five books, but now it's book one, two, three, four, five instead of two part one and two and three part one and two. So it's no longer multiple trilogies. It's just five distinct parts. Well, it's what he was doing before he's just renamed it. Which is a funny thing to do after you've already written the first three with the other thing. Yes, like, with <laughs> actually, psych. That's, uh, I feel like that's a good representation of what this book is, though, is you can't get past the, the title without going, what the fuck is he doing? Why yeah. is he doing this? And that's, uh, that's really what this book is. I think it made me physically ill. I haven't been feeling so hot the last few days, and the only thing I've been doing is reading this fucking book, so I'm going to blame it. Yeah, I kind of wish you would do the videos more. His writing's just becoming incoherent. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think, uh, I do love David, and I think uh, he needs the money from this. So uh, the, I, I'm sure that's the reason. He needs to rebrand it, though, because normal people are not going to read this 
as it's being presented currently. It's I not. I mean, I don't even know if they'd understand it. Oh, definitely not. But that's why I think he needs to rebrand it. He needs to rebrand this as some sort of um, like forward thinking experimental literature. Because there's been books in the past that don't make any uh, fucking sense. You got James, yeah. James Joyce did Finnegan's Wake, which is fucking nonsense. And then, well, I uh, mean, most of David's books make no sense. Infinite Jest was like half appendix. And then uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, the guy like invented a new language. All those books didn't make sense, but they were like uh, hailed for being experimental and uh, yeah. new. I think he's got to rebrand it as that because this book... Makes no sense, but the problem is he was trying to make it make sense. So I think if he just flips the branding on it, he's he come back out on top. It's like watching someone trying to fight off a schizophrenic break. Uh, it, the the break one. The break yeah. has fully overcome him. Yeah, there's there's no uh putting the insanity back in the box it belongs in. Yeah, once someone loses all logic to what they're doing, that's when you know it's uh it's it's done. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, with that in mind, there were nine authors' prefaces in this book. We'll get through those today. <laughs> uh, it actually shouldn't take too long to get through the author's prefaces, and we'll like get he, into why. I don't feel like he understands the technical definition of a preface. Well, it, uh, I don't think I included my outline, but there is a portion in this book where uh, Archangel Michael makes mention of the fact that he uses the word, like, uh, preface in one of the channeling sessions which david took to mean every book needs multiple prefaces yeah but i feel like a preface is only one by definition you can't have a i mean i guess you could have a preface to the preface but it should also be used perhaps to add like context to the book a lot of this well let's get into it a lot of this let's just say if if you ate prefaces i think you just wrote one preface and seven extra chapters i don't understand why they can't just be included as chapters. You know what it what it is? He just wrote he wrote nine articles for his website and then tacked those to the front of his book. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the book. All right. Michael Prophecies, book four. Still called volume one, even though there's not going to be a volume two. It will I be book five. I don't think he exactly <laughs> understands how the numerical system works in that regard. Author's preface, section one. So he starts out uh, by talking about the disclosure conference that incur- uh, occurred in 2001. I think he's talking about the uh, Stephen Greer one, the right. uh, the one that happened right before 9-11. So at this event, David's brakes were, of course, cut, uh, you know, on his car. As, as, as happens to as him. As tends to happen, I think his brakes have been cut probably 15, 16 times throughout he his is life. One of, it's a very lucrative auto zone near him. <laughs> Is the guy who owns the garage near his house keeps cutting his brakes? Just like shows up I every week. I think the devil, David. I yeah. think the devil is in your uh, brakes. Yeah, no, they're after you. That'll be six hundred dollars, David. <laughs> uh, also, David's girlfriend got hit by a car, and uh, he said this led to their eventual breakup. He was breakup. driving the car. <laughs> That's why the brake. Yeah, the brakes were cut. It'd be cool if this ends with David admitting to murder. Uh, I well. It's interesting because he's lived a bunch of parallel lives, and in some of them, he's Oh, been... I'm sure he's killed people in other lives. Yeah, but in his mind, that means he's, like, really done it. But this version of him is too cowardly to sustain it. Yeah, he's not—he uh, doesn't have the guts to kill someone with an automobile. He, <laughs> he seems like the enough. type to me that he'd, like, keep your corpse around for a while to talk to you. I think he'd, uh, there was a famous case back in the day in uh, Australia, I believe, where this cult um, 
was trying to heal someone with like prayer or something. Oh, they were trying to uh, perform an exorcism because the, uh-huh. the chick was schizophrenic. So they were trying to, you know, get the, the devil out right, of her head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they didn't give her food or water for like three days and she died. Nice. But then the cult, they, it wasn't so much cult. It was a church that was a little weird. Uh, they kept her body around because they were going to resurrect her. <laughs> so oh, when, that makes sense. So when the cops showed up, the guy was like, look, I know she's dead now, yeah. but give us give us yeah. a few minutes. We're look, praying on it. We're working on it. Okay, we've got some things in motion. We're waiting on some calls back. All right, so David's girlfriend at the time gets hit by a car. This wasn't mere coincidence, however, as uh, David spoke to some guy named Joe McMonagle, which sounds like that a That sounds like name, a super real name. Who uh, told him psychotronic weapons were being used against Dave and his girlfriend. Psychotronic. Is that like a form of, of techno? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's house music was being played at their uh, general direction. David then quotes uh, David Grush, who's uh, like a UFO insider This is a new guy. whistleblower, yes. And in the quote, Grush, Groish, I don't know. I think it's Grush. Grush? Uh Grush uses the word ontological. Now, David used the word ontological in book one, which no. does, of course, mean Grush, Grush read book one Damn. because no one else could use the word ontological. What a sick thing to claim. Like, he clearly read the book. It's it's funny because in the book, he, he's like, ontological is not a word a lot of people use, which he's only partially yeah, right. sure. It's a weird word. It's used a lot in, like, philosophy discussions. It's not that yeah. obscure. Where I've used the word on the show. I know that for a fact. But yeah. It's, uh, it's not as rare as he would like uh, the audience to believe. David, uh, he's he's got a new website he likes to cite in this book, the very trustworthy Bible Reality Check, which is oh, written that's by... Good. That's good. It's written by uh, an anonymous author. That's good. It provides, you know. quote, uh, it's the definitive source that, quote, the Bible is an extraordinary repository of firsthand reports of close encounters with powerful extraterrestrial, and then in brackets, human beings. Sick. That's another uh, move... Wilcock has picked up in this is he likes to add the word that's missing in brackets to but but not for clarity's sake to completely change the meaning of the sentence. I mean I think that's a good representation of his mind state because he's he's insane. leaving words out and he's gone insane. Yeah. It's it's bad. He's putting in words that only he's hearing in his mind. Uh, you remember Pyramid Energy? How could you forget? It's uh, my favorite. Yes. Pyramid you, power, bro. You did want to build a pyramid to grow our weed in at one hey, point. Hey, <laughs> you can't disprove it wouldn't have helped. Like, that's true. I don't know. Uh, the basic idea, for those who don't know, is any substance you put in a properly constructed pyramid will yes. become better, like medicine becomes more It all becomes more potent. Uh, I think in his book, he said if you put razor blades yeah, in the pyramid, they sharpen all yeah. kinds. Of, everything gets better. Now we can have pyramid power without the pesky pyramid. Well, that's convenient. Pyramid energy can also be generated by the mind of someone who has activated their higher abilities. This is a conscious energy. And then uh, David knows that if everyone just drank water that was stored in a pyramid, uh, we wouldn't have health problems. Which Can't, seems like I a mean, very <laughs> it seems like a very easy way around issues. It'd be so a, funny for the first guy to actually discover that and be like. Holy sh! Oh my! He was fucking right. We've just wasted trillions of dollars on trying to develop medical technology. Well, actually, then Big Pharma would immediately have that doctor killed, and it yeah. would be covered up. Yeah, pyramids would no longer be allowed. Yeah. 
David uh, Pyramids are hate speech. Now this is going to be a recurring theme in in this section uh, of I'm our so coverage. I'm so horny. I'm so fucking horny. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite. We'll get to that on the, the oh, next episode. Oh, that'd be episode. cool if he came out as asexual. No spoilers. Uh, <laughs> David goes on. He reprints a pretty sizable portion of the source field investigations, which he does refer to as his magnum opus. In this. Really? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. That's the one he would pick. And I decide to, uh, you know, uh, normally I skip when he reprints his own work, as we've talked about it, but I like the pyramid power, so I went through it. Uh, the section he prints is about Dr. Alexander Golod and his research into pyramids. The brief refresher for those who are not familiar, the uh, the good doctor um, does not possess a doctorate in medicine. It's in engineering, which, you know, very... Tomato, tomato. I feel like you should have to clarify that because David doesn't clarify that in his book. I think maybe I'm old fashioned. If someone said they talked to a doctor uh -huh. about a medical problem, yeah, I would assume that doctor was a medical doctor and not a guy who builds bridges. Yeah, you know, it's it's a different skill set. They needed someone who thought outside the box. So, anyways, this doctor, uh, he says his pyramids can cure both cancer and AIDS, and that uh, they're also responsible for repairing the ozone layer in Russia. Also, uh, the pyramids can control the weather and make your dick hard, which is hell yeah, you dude. know, that's that's a wide range of uses. I like I just like to know that he was hard in the pyramid. Yeah, I don't. So, you know, he was just sitting there and got hard, and it was like <laughs> the pyramids. My word, did this. The pyramids. <laughs> they made my dick work. Uh, so um, what else? Oh, right. He has never, of course, uh, published any evidence for any of these claims. And uh, side note: if you want to build your own pyramid, you can't use metal. It's got to be. No, it's got to be sources. like wood or fiberglass. Well, I think uh, the back of those like esoteric magazines that sold the pyramid kits. I think it was like PVC. Like a shitty, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. plastic one of them was. tube. Yeah, yeah, one of them was. Now, uh, there wasn't just Dr. Gulad. There was also uh, two Gulad. other two other Russian scientists, and they they diluted medicine with pyramid water, which is just water stored in a pyramid, and uh, that made it much more powerful, or so says David. The only place the article is published... I, I checked the sources, which, you know, I've threatened to go through his books and check the sources before... I don't think he wants that to happen because, no. uh, all right. So those, you know, he cites the medicine, gets more medicine. -y. He, he, he cites the doctors in all these cases. So I just went about, you know, looking them up. The, uh, the article is only published on Bibliotheca Pleiades, which is like a UFO website from the late nineties. Uh, the article also contains no information about how the experiment was conducted, but just that they did it and it was better. So there's that like sounds scientific. There's no evidence other than like we put medicine in the pyramid. The medicine was better medicine, and that's what he cites as evidence. Did you test it? Well, it was better. Yeah, there's no information about how they measured the strength of uh, the drug outside the body or inside the body. Just meaningless information. But when you got a pyramid, who who even needs medicine? I feel like I should send in patents for this just in case it works. <laughs> Because it's so dumb, but like, you know, it, in the off chance. Just, we, yes, I have the patent for water yeah. that cures AIDS. <laughs> oh, uh, I've, I'm patenting pyramids. You just, you put stuff in it and what uh, happens? Well, it gets better. How? Just better. Well, this doctor, uh, uh, doctor, 
uh, gave sugar water stored in a pyramid to dying babies, and 100% of them recovered. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Dr. Wilcock. Today, we're going to use the pyramids. I, I gambled away my money, so we're giving sugar water to babies. Um from Will what it work? <laughs> Who knows? Well, 100% of the time it works. Uh, from what these babies recovered, we don't know. That's a key when you're doing I medical. It was cancer. No, no. When you're doing oh. medical research, the key is you never write down anything. Yeah. You never say what illness you're treating. You don't say what dose you're using. You just say it works 100% <laughs> of the time. Uh, what do we cure them of? I'm, I don't know. I'm sure this will come as a shock, but uh, this research paper also does not exist. I did look right. for it, however, and searching for it will lead to a website called tidsporten.no, which I think is Norway, which in turn, this website then cites Chapter 9 of Divine Cosmos, which is, of course, David Wilcox's website. So the only source on the internet for this is a website that cites <laughs> David citing something that doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Let's uh, let's keep it going here. Some guy ni- named Dr. N.B. Agorova. Oh, put, he's uh, non-binary. <laughs> yeah, he was the head of the curve on that yeah. one. He put uh, infected uh, mice, or he fed some infected mice pyramid water, and uh, they all survived. And Survived what? That's a great question. <laughs> Look, the, the mice, they were infected with something, and then they weren't. <laughs> and that's why we got to build pyramids everywhere. Uh, in, in looking uh, for, for this paper, um, again, well, oh, actually, no. Credit where credit is due. Uh, this website also cites a website that cites Divine Cosmos. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, he uh, found new ways to quote himself. Well, there was another guy who wrote about this, and I, I clicked on his website, and he's a guy with a brain tumor. <laughs> well, that seems like a reliable source. Also, if you have a brain tumor, but you're writing about how pyramids can cure everything, why don't you go to the pyramid that cures everything? Oh, well, that's not that's not applicable to his <laughs> doesn't, situation. Doesn't it seem like a really easy answer? Yeah, it is funny to be like, no, it totally works. Be like, well, well, why do you have a tumor in your head? What do you mean? Uh, David, Maybe he doesn't believe it's there. Let me, let me. Maybe he's one of those guys who's like, eh, there's nothing fucking wrong. David also cites the, fine. this website called GizaPyramid.com. Throw this up on the screen. Look at, look at this high-tech website. Sick, dude. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's Look at f- it. Good stuff. Names and all. Yeah, Pictures. that's, uh, you know, really, really good work here. It's This may... I, I mean, this looks like something that was created by a student in, like, a high school s- computer science class. This looks like the websites I used to get cheat codes for Game Boy on. <laughs> yeah, it's Cheat CC. All right, you take it off. Um, oh, God. And then uh, we got... More claims from Dr. Alexander Golod. He claims that the oil under his pyramid, which why did you build your pyramid on top of an oil reserve? He says his oil became 30% easier to extract than normal, and it also became purer. Yeah. Which, that's pretty cool. Uh, he claims that Gubkin Moscow Academy of Oil and Gas <laughs> confirmed this. Now, to his credit, I did find a research paper. This actually exists... As a paper, um, I'm not sure of the validity of it. It was in the International Journal of Science and Research. Uh, the paper does indeed state that that Moscow Academy of Oil and Gas said this, but the evidence they had for them saying this is a footnote. And then when you click on the footnote, 
The footnote just says the words Moscow Academy of Oil and Gas. It doesn't provide any evidence they, they said it. It just says the words again. Well, it is Russia. And uh, also the, the impact factor of this international journal of uh, science. So an impact factor is like how many times a paper gets cited, kind of. It's basically, you can use it as a rough estimate of how important uh, article it's is. It's tweets. Kind of, yeah, for science. Yeah. So like... Uh, Impact factor over 10 is considered, like, really good. That means it was a great paper. Normal is, like, one and a half. This article, 0.25. Whoops. Which, for someone who figured out how to purify and increase the production of oil. I wonder if people just don't trust Russian scientists, because that would make sense. Uh, like, hey, yeah, fucking bullshit, you communist. Could be a little bit both. I feel like if you're a scientist who's like, my pyramid made my oil pure. Yeah, you don't understand. Pyramid make, make oil better. It cures cancer and makes oil yeah, better. make dick hard. Which, two of the things society would jump on the quickest is a cure for cancer and making oil easier to get. I don't think, I don't think anyone's repressing that information. Well, the climate lunatics would tell you that, no, we can't make the oil easier to extract. This is Greta's fault. Greta yeah. had the, the Russian scientists hit. She's destroying pyramids. All right, that's enough about the fucking pyramids. I kind of was... wish people built pyramids just because they look cool. It would, like... Our buildings are gay. Make something cool. The only pyramid we have is in Memphis, and that's now a Bass Pro Shop. So... Yeah. It, look, it's a very cool Bass well, Pro Shop. there's the one in but... Vegas. I think the one in Memphis is bigger, but you're right. Oh, yeah, it's there's... probably bigger. It's a Bass Pro Shop in Memphis. Yeah, so, you know, I, we should bring it back. All right, anyways, so after he uh, inserts a decent section of the source field investigations, he uh, David starts going on some rants about the Bible and the devil. He cites Malachi Martin, who uh, talked about Catholic nuns and priests participating in satanic Wiccan ceremonies and also being lesbians. Sick, um, dude. Those dykes are going to ruin it all. Yeah. Now, I, Malachi Martin is the guy who used to go on Art Bell and talk about uh, exorcisms and shit, which is good content. So go listen to yeah. that if you want. Oh, it's magnificent content. Now, what I, <sighs> what I don't get is uh, David, in I believe book one or two, talked about Fatima and the Fatima mm -hmm. prophecies. Malachi Martin in like 90, mid 90s, he talked about how the third secret of Fatima had to do with uh, Russia and the Ukraine, which you would think, given the current climate, Sick. David might want to, you know, bring that up. He didn't see the connection there. No, Malachi Martin hated lesbians. Anyways. We, uh, this still, this still author's preface one. We then get a complete plot a synopsis of the movie Devil's Advocate, which starred Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino, who played the devil. Uh, this, this comes across as an exercise in futility. However, the importance is realized when David notes at the 42 minute and 45 second mark in the movie, Pam Garrett says, quote, Donald Trump was supposed to be here, but he had a business emergency, probably Mort Zuckerman. This is evidence that Trump was likely not invited to uh, cabal parties. Also, of course, Mort Zuckerman sounds like Mark Zuckerberg, which means that Mark Zuckerberg created such business emergencies for Trump in the form of mass censorship. Yeah, I love how he slant rhymes for reason. Yeah. Look, Mort Zucker, Zucker, that's, that's Mark Zuckerberg. Come on, it's right there. You know what's even worse is I've read so much, David, that when I read the name Mort Zuckerman, I knew where he was going with it. I yeah. was like, oh, here comes the Facebook. It's very clear once you understand his 
insane thought process. Well, this is another interesting move here. So that that was uh, this prophecy was included in that movie. But David says the writer probably he channeled the information accidentally. So he was somehow susceptible to channeling, and he included this by accident. He didn't know he was going to uh. be including prophecy in the movie Devil's Advocates starring Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. You know, accidental prophecy happens more than you think. There's also a weird diatribe uh, in, in that set. Well, the whole book's a weird diatribe. But <laughs> there was a section in this where he just talks about the use of arches in movie making as uh, nice. foreshadowing. Arches. Oh, then uh, then we switch gears and jump over to Illuminati insider information. So this Hell is yeah. uh, this is from his Illuminati insider Svali. Quote, all children go to rituals where they are dedicated from before birth as well as at intervals throughout their life. In these rituals, demonic entities are invoked to coerce the person into servanthood, loyalty and secrecy as well as to reinforce the programming being done. Trainers will invoke demonic layering during programming sessions. This is done after acute trauma. The person is asked if they want more pain, and they will always say no. The trainer then offers them a way out. If they will accept a protector or protectors, they won't be hurt anymore. The trainers will want this, knowing that these protectors, they can shorten the training session. So that's how, I guess that's how the Illuminati tricks kids into worshiping the devil. Is they terrorize them? Yeah, is they like torture them and then say the devil help you out. That's an interesting way to do it. They've also got a resuscitation ritual. So in this ritual, the child may be heavily drugged and shocked or tortured to the point that his heart may stop. The head priest will then resuscitate the child using drugs, CPR, and incantations. When the child comes back and is awake, he or she will be told that they were brought back to life by the demonic entity that the particular group worships. And that uh, now the child owes it their life. They are told that if they ever tell or try to get the demon to leave, they will return to the lifeless state they were in prior to resuscitation. Be funny to imagine just some someone choking on the ground. They're just like, quick, put him down. Just start dancing and chanting him. <laughs> what are you doing? We're resuscitating him. I feel like the CPR and the drugs do the heavy lifting and the resuscitation. Yeah, I feel like the blowing air into his lungs. Yeah, I don't think the incantations are particularly uh, helpful in this. Quick, Larry's choking again. Recite the spell. So that was that was author's preface one. So we got uh, we got source field investigations. We got a recap of the 2001 Disclosure Conference. We got the movie Devil's Advocate. Mm -hmm. uh, and we got his Illuminati insider, Svali. Yeah. A lot going on. There's a lot of, pl lot of moving parts here. We then jump to author's preface, section two, uh, the connection between St. Germain and David. So uh, St. Germain was a part of European high society and lived during the time of Voltaire. I feel like uh, I should mention this guy does exist. Okay. Which is something that, That's a crucial yeah. element with David. Well, you know, most of the time the person didn't exist. No, no, they didn't. This guy, real guy. Uh, he made, uh, however, he was a bit insane. He did make a bunch of claims about being 500 years old and said uh, he, he had access to the fountain of youth. He could also cure impurities in diamonds and turn any metal into gold. David says he was, uh, of course, Archangel Michael in human form. Nice. Which I believe adds another individual to David's uh, yeah. alternate personality count. Sometimes I don't think he understands by saying someone else was the Archangel Michael they were... Him. Him. Yeah, because you're channeling the same. Because he, he's done this before where he's been like, that's another life for the Archangel Michael. It's like, well, this is another for you too. I don't think he 
understands that you are your brain. As a human being, the only thing that makes you you is your unique thought patterns. So if another entity is possessing your mind and controlling the way you think, that is you. Yeah. So, so yeah. consciousness is your lived experience. Yeah. Which I don't. He seems to think the body is the the part. That I don't makes think he unique. understands the math. I don't think he understands anything anymore. I think it's I, amazing he can get so many words together in this state. It's uh, it's quite annoying he can get so many words together too because then I have to read them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, Right, David is uh, Saint Germain, I guess. Uh, Saint Germain also went by quote the professor and helped the founding fathers. Um, uh, God quote in my three most recent videos, I wore sequin shoes and, <laughs> and sizzle jackets as a gag. He's a, he, he does oh, know, as a gag. Of course, of it was course. A, yeah, I dressed like a huge fucking yeah. homo as a gag. Yeah, I was dressed like a faggot, but I felt beautiful. <laughs> uh, it was funny. Little did I know that Saint Germain was doing the same thing with real gemstones. It appears that Michael influenced me telepathically to dress this way, so I would. Enjoy this reveal while finishing the book. This was one of my most hilarious surprises yet. I mean, don't get me wrong, David. It was really fucking funny. I do enjoy the sizzle jackets. Yeah, this is why I wish you would be doing more videos than books. He's mostly uh, sizzle jackets and declarations of his heterosexuality he's, these days. He's so much better in video than in writing at this point. The, the rest of Author's Preface Section 2 is basically just him fully reprinting speeches uh, that people gave around the Declaration of Independence. Why he does that, I don't know. Because he's a goddamn patriot. But St. Germain... Don't uh, you know David would die for this country? He is. He would bleed for... Wasn't he also related to, like, the dude who started the Navy? Yes, yes, I believe David's yeah. grandfather invented yeah. the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know how that works. I don't know how you invent the Navy in, like, the 1900s. They were around before that. But uh, this St. Germain guy, I he apparently... Uh, like manifested himself in some other body at the signing of the Declaration of Independence and gave a, a very rousing speech, which was reprinted in full in the book. It wasn't uh, terribly rousing, but you yeah. know, I guess maybe things were different in 1776. It was a different time. You know, people were, weren't used to the stimulation. Now, author's preface, section three. Uh, we're again not going to get too much into this section. He covers the Italian friendship UFO case. Um, Did you know the WAPs are lying about everything? Which, uh, it was a group of supposed human ETs called the W-56s who are said to have arranged for their UFOs to be photographed. It's a women's basketball team. Yeah, the W-56s is, is a terrible name for aliens. Come see the W's playoff the <laughs> I-56 highway. <laughs> <laughs> the 56 is the number of people in the audience. Uh, this story doesn't really make a ton of sense. I don't know why people were just hanging out with aliens, and the best proof we managed to get was there's this, like, picture, and it just, it looks like a sombrero. It looks like a black and white sombrero. Cool. And that's the best we could do. Um, anyways, so these, these aliens did have a German shepherd dog. I guess that's why David wrote about this. These aliens had a German shepherd that they used as some sort of telepathic amplifier, and David naturally draws the parallel to his dog, Gurley. Oh, uh, I was just about to say, he's going to be telepathic with Gurley. Yeah, well, I think he already is. Gurley Sick. is his telepathic amplifier. I think as David... As long as he puts enough peanut butter on his... I wonder if David's going <laughs> to marry his dog. David puts peanut butter on Gurley. 
<laughs> oh, oh, do you like that girl? <laughs> Some guy buying a jar of peanut butter and just spreading on his dog's nuts. Just like, goes and he's going to like a Whole Foods, but like yeah. a dude going to buy porn. So he's yeah. got the fucking jacket on oh. in the peanut butter aisle, just looking at different brands. He needs organic peanut butter. No, no <laughs> preservatives. Just spread on his dog's. P- <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, so in this section, we do get pictures from inside a UFO. And the U- actually, you know what? Why describe it? A picture is worth a thousand words. Let's. Uh, Especially wait. to David. There you go. Look at this beautiful UFO. Wow. Which looks astonishingly uh, like it looks like an architect's drafting table. And then there's a chair with a triangular back. It looks like a bad AI image. Like, you know, those AI generators for like video yeah where everything looks weird it's and wrong. like blurry and yeah, yeah the fingers are off and shit it uh it never ceases to amaze me that these aliens which are different species seem to have very similar requirements from like an ergonomic standpoint to us they need a table that's like the table we would use they have chairs yeah. that are like our chairs i guess nothing changes all right nope. take this off let's uh let's get back to back to business here um, the conclusion of this uh, story is the stupid Italians betrayed the W-56s. I knew the Italians couldn't be trusted. Yeah, and then the, the W-56s dipped. Now, author's preface, section four. Um, now I actually want to look up, like, the <clears throat> the technical definition of a preface. I feel like <laughs> it precludes one from having multiple. This book is 601 pages. Of that, over 300 are preface. Like, I think at most, <laughs> that's an author's note. Should we, uh, let's, let's define preface. An introduction to a book, typically stating its subject, scope, or aims. How many parts are in them? Uh, I don't know, but I... I can, it, can it have multiple parts? I feel like under this definition, it's not an introduction to the book because what he's writing about really has nothing to do with the second part of the book. So I'm saying he's just writing extra chapters. Not even. All right. Let's. This is this is do what we think need to wrote, talk about. Do you think he wrote the book and then was like, fuck, this is only 200 pages. <laughs> and then Probably. was like, I got to get 400 more. Well, because uh, by the time I reach this next part, which is author's preface four. I've real all he's doing, all these stories, he's he's quoting from other books. He didn't write this. There yeah. are there are full other books in this book. From- yeah, this is this is where his writing really just started falling off from a quality standpoint, because he did it in the last book too. This is way more egregious than oh, that. Oh no, though. he's yeah. significantly worse, but what it's he got into this weird like deterioration. I think he ran out of original shit where he just quotes people and then is like, see, that's the evidence. Like, yeah, but you didn't say anything about it. Yeah. You, you just, just literally it. quoted it. That's not, it's not how this works, fella. So author's preface section four, it's uh, uh, about this guy who saw an alien at Griffith Park in LA in the 1950s. But this section has three full chapters of another book printed in it. <laughs> Uninterrupted. <laughs> There were three chapters of another guy's book in this book. And that wasn't, he did it in the last section too. This section was even worse. 
but he's fully reprinting these. <laughs> uh, the books are, they're old enough to where they're like not under copyright, so it's legal, but still it feels odd to just fully print another guy's book in your book. I think he thinks the longer the quote, the more f- official it looks. Because then they're like, damn, you had to have read three whole pages. Yeah, so from page 116 to page 151 in this book, it's another book. Yeah. Which is a cool move. I think we should start doing that for the show. Just play like 15 minutes of other people's podcasts. No, fuck that. I'm going to introduce the show, and then we're going to watch the entire first season of The Sopranos. (laughs) And then then we're going to cut back, and I'm going to end the show. I'm not going to add any insight to it. We're not going to talk over it. We're just going to show other people's shows. See? That's our point. And then end it. So that's what he does. That's author's preface section four, which we're just going to skip because it's just another guy's book. Then he starts uh, author's preface section five. Another shocking move. David begins this section by explaining that copyrights have to be renewed every 28 years or else they expire. And then he segues from that into quoting at length from Daniel Fry's book, The White Sands Incident which is uh, some guy who was on a UFO and like flew to New York and back. I like that he's like, do you know copyright law works? Let me prove it. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, author's preface five is just, again, another guy's book. Author's preface section six. David begins this section by reminding us that if a book is out of copyright, you can quote more than 500 words from it. This leads into him citing Dana Howard's book, The Mystical Contactee Encounters of David, uh, Dana Howard. He literally Googled how many how many words can I cite before it's a copyright violation? Yes, and then just printed. Because he was running it, he didn't have enough material, so he just wanted to check uh, copy chunks of people's books. Well, so after... Brilliant. And then he put it in his own book. After he uh, cites the mystical contact he encounters of Dana Howard, he goes out of that and then samples at length from a guest article written on Graham Hancock's website. After the article from Graham Hancock's website, David reminds us you can exceed fair use limits when copyright <laughs> is expired. He then quotes at length from a Jay Gorley article from the 1990, uh, 1979 issue of Second Look magazine. And he he just continues doing this for various... <laughs> hey, did you know I could cite this much? See? Hey, did you know I could cite this much? See? Well, he, he wrote about how 1950s UFO encounters were important. Why, I'm not really sure. And then the rest of the prefaces is just him citing other books about 1950s UFO encounters. because we were still a white country then. Yes, that's, that's what he's getting they at. They hadn't taken our country yet. Um... Author's Preface, Section 7. This is uh, probably going to be hard to believe, but David starts this section by quoting at length from The Law of One and then immediately goes into quoting at length from a woman named Aludi Francesca and her psychic source, Clytron. Clytron? Yeah, Clytron, as it turns out, is uh, also really good at using a lot of words to say absolutely is that nothing. A, is that an Autobot? Yeah, it was during that time. Oh, That's, okay. It was during like the '60s when you had to have a robot name if you were channeling. Kind of, it was you know Bashar and shit is in. I'm now. channeling a Ford. <laughs> also, David uh, throws in that Clytron was also Archangel Michael. You know, it seems like a, a lot of <laughs> beings have been Archangel Michael. He's a busy angel. Yeah. We do get some info about Valiant Thor, which do recall Valiant Thor is David's father. Right, right, right. right. 
which is interesting because David mentions in this that in 2010, when he heard the story of Valiant Thor, he didn't believe it. So from between 2010 and 2023, David went from not believing the story to believing the man is his father. Look, the pandemic really, really fucked David up. Now, let's just be honest. He ruined his marriage. (laughs) He got divorced. He went fucking insane. It really, we got to admit, it fucked some people up, and I don't know how we saved them. I don't think we can. I think when you're- We took a lot of fragile minds and we're like, what if we locked them in a room for two years, (laughs) ruined their lives, and had them watch everything go to shit? I don't think you can fix- uh, believing your father's valiant Thor <laughs> and that you communicate with a being named Clytron who only exists uh, in a book from the 1960s. And the only being that understands you is your poor dog. Now, who convinced him valiant Thor was real? Why, none other than Pete Peterson, of course. Ah, that rascal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, from, from that, we proceed to get an excerpt from a book about valiant Thor that details uh, Thor meeting Eisenhower. Nothing particularly... Noteworthy in this section, except uh, David included this, quote, Right after I first decided to read this book and was in the bathtub, my screen suddenly scrolled ahead to this very point on page 28. This telekinetic event was so disturbing that I actually had to get out of the tub and allow myself to cry and freak out for for 10 solid minutes. So David... It's so funny to imagine him fucking reading in a bubble bath, coming upon a page as it triggers him, and him bawling (laughs) in a fucking bubble bath. Well, let's really set the scene, David. Why would you admit this? Because he's crazy. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, his filter is gone. David is... uh, he was, he's 8,800 feet in the air in his cabin in, in Colorado, Dude, bathing when, in piss. When I started crying reading the New York Times, <laughs> I immediately realized something like, oh, something's wrong here. The, yeah, when you open a book to a random page, first of all, every kid has done that with the textbook in like first grade. They've opened the math book to the right page yeah. that the teacher wow. said. I have never seen a child break down in tears, especially while they were in a bath of their own piss. Yeah. And uh, declare it some sort of Does he cosmic st- alignment. Is he still standing by the piss baths? Uh, I, I mean, think, I guess he never renounced them. I think he's learned his lesson to not talk about the fact that he's bathing it's in piss. It's Fight Club now. Yes, you, the first rule of bathing in piss <laughs> is you don't, don't talk tell about, people that you talk, bathe in piss. Especially when your hair looks like <laughs> shit. His hair looks better, so maybe he's uh, gone back to Pert Plus from... Piss plus. At this point, I kind of assume he's just not doing videos because he needs more sizzle jackets. Yeah, or maybe. I feel like he's addicted to the sizzle jacket. The, the IRS has repossessed his clothing. <laughs> please don't take my sizzle jackets. <laughs> That's all I have. Take my dog, please, not the jackets. Uh, This, David, uh, oh, right. So Valiant Thor apparently took some sort of underground train to the White House which uh, the mention of the underground train, David inserts this section, quote, David's note, it is very likely that my great-grandfather Frederick designed tunnels like these in secret after publicly building the New York subway. I do believe Frederick was involved in various classified projects, which ultimately led to my own experience with the parallel life run by my father's bosses at GE. They were designing the animatronics for Disney World in Orlando, Florida. General Electric partnered with 
Valiant Thor. General Electric, well, I guess, but but General Electric is responsible along with the Disney Corporation for David being raped, is what he's saying here. Right? His parallel life, which is the lifetime in which he's, you know, tortured and sodomized by demons. Right, right, right. He says that was organized by his father's bosses at General Electric. Which... I don't entirely know how to process that statement. I don't know either. I don't know. Either. I, like, don't know it, I don't know what that has to do or mean. That's literally, literally, that's what I wrote is I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I feel like there's a point being made. I just, I can't. Also. I can't ma- make it compute. Well, we keep getting increasingly closer when David talks about his uh, ritualistic abuse. It's becoming increasingly more grounded in reality, which makes me think, as I've said before, David just got sexually abused as a kid and he's trying to come to terms with it because before it was like, you know, in a parallel lifetime, it started with aliens fucked my ass. Yeah. Which is a crazy thing to say. And from aliens fucked my ass, we've gone to General Electric, which is a very real company yeah, that exists with, in this reality. human beings. My father's bosses at General Electric yeah, the pedophile, fucked my ass. The, the pedophile elite fucked David's ass. So, uh, it, yes, it's, you know, more and more David abuse allegations getting tossed uh, out So here. many things can be explained by an old ass fucking. It's, uh, it's a standby for a reason. Here's, here's, uh, here's a picture of Thor, if you want to throw that up. Very disappointing. Thor is that guy on the right here. Is it? That's Valiant Thor. Yeah, like terribly Valiant to me. No, it kind of looks like Don Draper. <laughs> he's he's pretty boring guy. All right, uh, you can take that off. From there, author's preface, section eight, and in this section, we get more large scale reprinting of other books. Nice. Um, in this case, it's the works of Wilbert Smith, who was a former Canadian government official in the 50s who tried to identify alien contact cases. We, uh, we follow that book with 20 solid pages of channeled material from the Confederation of Planets in the Service of the Infinite Creator. Which wow, is, one shit. Yeah, it's a bunch of hippie love and light bullshit. Then we get to um, Author's Preface, Section 9, which is just an additional 30-plus pages of fully printed material from another <laughs> book. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he definitely wanted to hit a page number. Yeah, that's uh, that was the preface. <laughs> so that's, based on the definition we read earlier, that's supposed to set us up for what's what we're now going to get into. Nice. I, I don't think it does that successfully, but I'll, I'll let everyone else be the judge of that. Section 1, January 1999, Part 1. After a uh, long passage about everything being one, a bunch of other hippie, hippie gobbledygook, we get we get right into it. Uh, I'm going to subject you all to this so we can all get in the proper headspace. Dream of reptilian on parade. Dream. Quote, I was working for some kind of museum somewhere. They were describing the success they had with taking this rather scary-looking dinosaur-type creature that had two eyes for a walk. The head was very reptilian. The first eye was there, and it made the head look scary and a little small. The second eye was not in the middle of the head, but at the top. It was bigger, but more camouflaged, more yellow. David's note. The position of the third eye above where the other two would be is evocative of the images of Moloch from the movie poster for Caballara. 
back to the dream. They were describing how difficult it had been to set these things up. They were taking this thing and walking it through the public, freaking people out and getting them to scream. We watched as they did this and walked the dinosaur through. It just really scared people. Then after that, we turned the corner from one hallway of that. These waitresses ran out and were acting all scared. Uh, and then David inserts while channeling, I am queuing on the Black Sabbath song, The Wizard. And then David knows that song's about a good wizard. <laughs> Back to the dream. A group of witnesses had actually stacked themselves on top of each other because they were so scared of what I expected to be this dinosaur. David's note. I recently filmed four mice trapped inside my kitchen garbage <laughs> compactor. They had all stacked on top of each other for warmth, just like this. Back to the dream. The dinosaur <laughs> then turned out to be this guy who came out from behind the door. Nothing that he was doing was really that bad. He reminded me of the guy who used to live upstairs from me at the schoolhouse. Then they started the fear thing again. This time, everybody cheered when this guy came out. He was covered with mud and was an athletic type, whereas the earlier guy was more of a passive type. The second guy immediately singled me out from the crowd and started dissing me. Then he was making me climb this ladder. I knew that the dream could go on. I decided that since I was being close to awake, I would grab it right now instead of continuing it. There were a lot of earlier sections. I definitely remembered that there was something with Nana and Papa. I was going through these series of Christmas gifts that were laying around. There was something that I was harvesting. There were these Christmas cards that were just laying around, and you could take them. They were from some sort of advertisement. I was picking each card one by one. Papa yelled at me, saying how stupid I was for doing that. I tried to explain the practicality of having Christmas cards for free to him, but he didn't get it. I was trying to put gifts back together and put things in the right boxes. I got very confused. There was different stuff for different boxes, and it was all jumbled together. Just what? Excellent literature. Yeah, Just, you, know, you know, like in the Bible, when people have <laughs> prophetic dreams... It's usually got a good point. It's just rambling nothingness. Yeah, if someone told you this story, like, on the street, you'd be like, oh, this person's having a mental health crisis. You know what he's doing is, uh, you know when you, like, make a website or something, there's placeholder text, like the lorem ipsum text? Yeah. That's, this book is just placeholder text. It's pl The placeholder text exists in his mind. And we get nothing of value from it. Yeah, he's putting schizophrenia in writing. Just a dream about dinosaurs and his grandfather yelling at him. Well, and the plot just goes... It goes on and on and goes nowhere. It goes nowhere, yeah. So uh, there's... I guess the way I can frame this is there's two different things we deal with in these books. There's dreams, which are all more or less like what I just read you. And then there's uh, the prophetic portions where we get stuff like this. Quote... Miami heartburn of science. David's note. The shots are linked to myocarditis or heartburn, <laughs> which is very different. You know, heartburn. Uh, heartburn is a little different than, you know, a fucking heart attack. Everyone was told to take them because of the science and made to believe that they wanted them. The phrase Miami heartburn also suggests the Mar-a-Lago raid, as well as DeSantis's plunging numbers, as our previous volume discussed. I don't know how Miami heartburn uh, has to do with Ron DeSantis's polling numbers. I don't entirely get it either. Uh, there is a, <laughs> uh explanation in this section for why his prophecies, you know, don't come true. He doesn't really address it, but it's in here, so I included it. Quote, when we were asked similar questions about why we did not stick to the 1998 deadline, do remember, uh, 
this book is channel material, 96, or 97, 98, 99, yeah. something like that. So at the time when this was channeled, David took it to mean it was happening now. Now with this convenient time loop theory, yeah. it's basically this happens whenever you can loosely tie it to an event in the future. But that also means it was happening back then and in the future. And time doesn't exist anymore yeah. is what we're getting at here. What's it mean? Don't worry about it. It doesn't so, matter. But the reason why this failed in 1998 is... Uh, the answer was that society had progressed in many vital and important ways not heretofore seen. This shift allowed there to be much more latitude in terms of the events prophesized and their relative ability and or inability to come to pass at the appropriated time. So anytime something doesn't happen, and he pulled this uh, with 2012 as well, it just means society got to the point where we no longer like had to end it. Hmm. Which was a very, you know, convenient. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. Yeah, which I don't, I don't quite get how society can go from being on the brink of ending to being so advanced that the aliens give us a second chance. Because we elected Trump, but <laughs> well, we forgave Trump. And in this timeline, it would actually be we forgave Bill Clinton for getting his dick sucked. Right, right. And right. then now it's forgiving Trump. Right. Uh also, I feel the need to include that uh, the the voice up to this point that David's channeling has never introduced itself as Archangel Michael. So this kind of, that's kind of a new development. It actually does introduce itself as Ra in this section. Um, quote, the identity Ra is our identity. We are that social memory complex that you have been striving for. We have desired to speak through this instrument with a maximal desire of increased accuracy and contact for some period of time. Uh, so it, it probably goes without saying, but David does just channel whoever the main character is. I do wonder if the law of one people are like, he doesn't even do the ritual right. <laughs> there, There's another section in this book uh, where he talks about, uh, he asks them, he's like, hey, how come that chick from the law of one, like, how come she seems so much better at this? <laughs> and they're like, well, that was, you know, some other shit. Don't feel bad, David. Because they did the protocol. But yeah, so David, you know, in the 90s when Rob was his thing, he channeled Raw. And now when Archangel Michael is the main character, he's Archangel Michael. Well, the Bible is in right now. Yes. Yeah. Ra also uh, informs David during this session that the material he has produced is comparable to the Law of One, which yields this David response, quote, I was crying tears of happiness as I realized <laughs> a lot of crying going on. He's was, a sensitive boy. I was crying tears of happiness as I realized that I had been in contact with the same source as the Law of One, my favorite intuitive teaching this entire time. Many connections were forming in my mind. I had to stay upbeat and positive to make sure these emotions did not distract me or interrupt the signal I was getting. Section 2, January 1999, Part 2, David's Tomato Dream. Get, get ready for another fucking dream. Quote, in the beginning, we were picking tomatoes with a girl. This was in the yard of the house I grew up in. We were putting all the tomatoes in a large bowl. I grabbed one of the tomatoes and brought it back to the table where everyone was. This girl and somebody else, I just got a big flash on my high school friend Judy, already had red tomatoes inside the bowl of cherry tomatoes they had. Mine were green. Then they showed me what they were doing with them. The whole point was to be that they were throwing tomatoes at these animals. David's note. 
I did have a raccoon infestation in the barn. <laughs> they, were, they were chewing electrical wires. I was already considered throwing things at them to try and scare them away. I did not want to hurt or kill the raccoons in any way, but they were a problem. In the time loop, I believe the rotten tomatoes refer to widespread public boycotts of various aspects of the deep state agenda that we are seeing in June 2023. Michael also uses rotting food metaphors to symbolize the inoculations. Hell yeah, dude. So I had a dream about a bowl of tomatoes. Yeah. And that dream represented the raccoons in his barn. And he threw tomatoes uh, at them. People getting upset about Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney and also the vaccines, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. That's why I think every time I see a tomato, I think, I think about Dylan raccoons, Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney, and the vaccine. David had a dream about a hang glider, and he interprets that to mean Stavati will start manufacturing jetpacks, which would be cool. I don't think that's the case. And then um, David makes the biggest of possible mistakes in this in this book. Not only he's already given us a year by mm. which ascension is to happen, we now get a precise date. Oh, no. David's note, just two days after we re, uh, we released Michael Prophecy's Book 2, Volume 2, which again doesn't exist. I think Book 2, Volume 2 is now Book 3. Anyways, Trump announced a planned year-long celebration of America's 250th anniversary. The date the Alliance gave for the start of America's 250th anniversary celebration was Memorial Day 2025. X-22 report covered this story on May 31st, 2023 in episode 3083. Michael's previous volume was finished on Memorial Day 2023. Michael said that within no more than two years, Earth will have transformed in the first wave. That means the final deadline is Memorial Day 2025, the exact date that Trump the Alliance will now begin a year-long celebration of America's 250th anniversary. Uh-oh. So there you have it, Memorial Day 2025. Uh-huh. Well, he's on a clock now. Uh, some more Art Bell hate. David's uh, channeling. I just heard the words impeach Art Bell. I have, no, <laughs> I have no idea if that means anything. Since we think that lies and mis- uh, since we think that lies and mistruth should not be misrepresented as facts, and that's ironic. It is indeed the appropriate time for a correction of sorts to occur with Art Bell regarding him as an impeachable offender, so as to force him to tighten up the quality levels of the guests therein. Now, naturally, by tighten up. Guess what David means is have him as a guest yeah, on the well, show. Yeah, you know, he made the critical error of not inviting David. Yeah, so bizarrely in the analysis of this section, David notes that Art Bell faced severe backlash and stepped down after Y2K was at the end of the world. And David talks about how, you know, Art being wrong about that kind of fucked up his reputation and he should have stepped down. Right. Which is incredibly ironic <laughs> to yeah. include after you've yeah. been fucking wrong about everything. Yeah. And not simultaneously realize that maybe that's why your reputation is uh, in the garbage is because yeah. you've been wrong on a lot more things why is everyone being so mean to me also uh this passage art bell is a stand-in for biden uh art bell promoted fear-mongering with y2k saying the computers wouldn't work and it would cause a societal collapse the same way biden tells trans people that they are living through a genocide and david again notes quote only 10 trans people died in 2021 <laughs> and 2022 from stranger related hate attacks <laughs> Hell yeah, David. Straight from that, in the same section we jump 
uh, ETs control dolphins, David's nice. notes. This is very similar to what Pete was telling me about certain species of dolphins. They can be remote-controlled by ETs who remain on their home world. Once the ETs establish a telepathic connection with the dolphins, these marine creatures grow new lobes on the sides of their head. They look like protruding bumps of flesh. Pete was part of a project where they learned to communicate with these dolphins. He said that source field featured much of the same science that the dolphins spoke of. Pete Peterson was talking to dolphins. Damn, the dolphins got science. Right, the dolphins spoke to Pete Peterson about this science. The two round bumps are also a callback to a gland under the armpit of Draco reptilians that Jacob said is their main fatal point of weakness. You hear that, everyone? If you got to fight a, a Draco, punch him in the armpit. Right in the armpit. Um, David, now remember, abused by General Electric and uh, Disney. So this is David's, right. David's trip to Disney here. Quote, many truth tellers believe Disney is hiding evidence of severe abuse. My father's GE company had a contract with the Disney World to build all their animatronics. As are importantly Ascension Mysteries, we all went there in 1983. I saved extensive documentation that proves this entire trip really did take place. Sorry, what stupid evidence? Who's not going to believe that his family went to Disney World in 1983? That's not the part we doubt. We doubt the part about, you know, the, the psychotronic weapons and the I dolphins doubt, that do science. I doubt he went to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it. he went. Where's the tickets? I, uh, uh, I met all the higher-ups in a meeting at Disney World. My father's boss handed me a jigsaw puzzle of a futuristic Jetson city inside a big ring of powerful people. The puzzle said, if we can dream it, we can do it. I put out my hand and pushed the puzzle back to him in front of all these people. I already have one of these. Why don't you give it to another child who could enjoy it? My sassy refusal to accept the puzzle as a fifth grader soon caused this entire circle of perhaps 50 of the top Disney elites to erupt into sustained violent laughter. We were in a, <laughs> this isn't a dream, by the way. This is how he's describing this really happened. He crushed. We were in a big round room with wraparound windows, much like a castle rotunda. The final trigger that broke the stale silence was when my father cried out, Well, there goes my job. <laughs> GE did actually fire him a short time after this. <laughs> it appears that these people were this uh, it appears that these people were running my parallel life which include the extreme horror of being fed to Draco and other beings and then reanimated. This ceremony was partly a way of demonstrating confirming that I had no memory of what they were doing to me in the parallel life. I strongly believe these people summoned a gigantic and very menacing Draco in a ceremony I attended in parallel while I was there at Disney World. Consciously, I have no memories whatsoever of any abuse taking place in my waking life. Everything I experienced occurred during various military abductions. The meeting at Disney World was the only time I met any of them in this life. On April 6th, 2022, I found out that G. Lane Maxwell was working at Disney World <laughs> just two years after I was standing in front of the top executives in 1985. This Hell greatly yeah. increased my realization that both the majestic sci-fi dreams and my horrific dreams of absolute evil were actually memories of a parallel life. As Michael and Lucia reveal in book one, I was extensively trafficked as well. <laughs> in uh. Increasingly specific. So now we've gone from aliens fucked my ass to in 1985 while I was at Disney World. Yeah. I was trafficked. The GE executive summoned Draco yeah, that molested me. To fuck my ass. Sounds like a guy 
might have just, you know, fucked him when he was at Disney World. Sounds like he had a, a stranger danger incident at Disney World. I think the sooner he comes it's to... It's a small world. After... Getting fucked by the animatronic on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride is a rough way. You know that scene where the pirate's chasing the woman around? It's just David with his ass out. <laughs> a pirate with a hard just dick a chasing him. Yeah. Car. Car. <laughs> I'm going to fuck your ass. Uh, give me your booty. <laughs> uh, so we go from David getting his ass fucked to uh, him saying that certain greys uh, eat humans. I guess they, they use this to produce some sort of liquid broth, and then they just, like, stew in it. Mm. So they, they, like, a hot tub or something. Delicious. David gets mocked. Quote, at the end of this dream, I felt uh, like, I felt like what, God damn, his grammar sucks. At the end of this dream, I felt like was made into a fool. The ridicule was coming from a bunch of these guys. They were old men, comical old men, almost like puppets. Their faces were especially creased. They were all wearing this bright, light blue windbreaker and matching pants with a little navy-type hat. They all had the same outfit on. They were all sitting on a sofa together. Even their faces all looked the same. They were all just laughing hysterically. At first, I thought they were all laughing at me. I realized as I went along, they were laughing at the jokes I was telling. And so, I decided to keep going with that. David's note, multiple insiders have told me that people wear flight suits like this in various classified programs. <laughs> Their identical faces also suggest the use of cloning. This could very well be a memory of being ridiculed by men in the parallel life. So now we got a group of old men in flight suits. Mocking him. Yes, in parallel life, which is really just code for when he was trafficked and molested. So Yeah, he's having a real weird mental break. I can't tell if, um, like, flashes of truth are getting through his subconscious while he's channeling. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's repressed the memories in the form of these grand alien soap operas. But every so often, instead of a grand alien spaceship, it's like uh, some old guy in overalls. I kind of I think his filter is just gone, and he's accidentally telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's looking so hard for material, he's accidentally digging in deep to those buried memories. I think the problem is, I, I don't believe he realizes what he's saying. No, no, he doesn't. Not at all. No, because to him, this is a humorous tale about uh, yeah. and, and bravery. Ain't that yeah. funny how I got my ass fucked? Yeah, by a bunch of GE executives. Yeah, golly gosh, thank how, God it was the parallel life. How, how how funny would it be if Disney sues him for this? <laughs> he did claim a specific date he was raped at yeah. Disneyland, which In seems Dis like you could fact check. It'd be funnier if he sued Disney. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to sue him. I for want reparations for my suffering. Time loop phenomenon. Quote, the forces in the earth are like two sides of a volleyball team, pushing and pulling, giving you a summary of different stresses. David's note, shortly before I unsealed this, I saw a story of a transgender person spiking a volleyball into a woman's face and causing significant damage. This I actually know what he's talking about. <laughs> it was a high school girl and yeah. spiked her right at this bitch's face and fucked her up good. I saw that too. I just, yeah, it, she spiked the shit out of her. It's that great ball. that he feels the need to incur, uh, include that. This is a, quote, normal part of the time loop phenomenon that was occurring on a day-by-day -day basis as I worked to unseal these books. Over the last year and a half. 
And we're gonna we're gonna call it there for today. We'll start at section. Wait, we're we're over an hour, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. So we will uh, go over section three, February nineteen ninety nine. Next episode, we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. God, I hope we get videos soon. He keeps teasing it. Well, like he's so much better. He's so much better with a visual medium. Three weeks ago, he had said he was pre-recording a video to put out, and then that just never happened. Why has he not started a Patreon? Uh, I mean, I guess he's got so many other scams going on. Well, didn't he? I think he may have had one. He might have gotten pulled down. Uh, you remember when they're pulling down all the people talking about like Pizzagate and shit like that? I like guess. 2018-ish. I think he might have got caught up in that. Also, we get some better numbers about book sales later on again. And uh, I'm not sure what kind of market he has for a Patreon at this point. That's true. He might be tapped out. I mean, there's only so much you can scam your audience before they just run out of money. Also, at some point, you got to hit. You got to hit on one. You got to have yeah. something, especially now when you've put the definitive date on. Well, you either got to hit or you got to be in excessively entertaining. Yeah. And he's kind of lost his fastball in the written word. Yes. That's why he really needs to go to video is his mind. The great thing about video is you don't. It's funny. You don't have to have a coherent point to do yeah. what we're doing. Well, right. the video is funny. Putting that in writing makes yeah. it uncomfortable. It makes it more uncomfortable because we know he wrote it out and then he made multiple passes through it, meaning he had yeah. a chance to edit it for clarity. And yet what I've presented to you is what he views to be the clearest presentation of this information. Yeah. Now, I mean, it also is so expensive and because it's literally just a PDF. Uh huh. Probably doesn't need that many people to buy it. We'll get into that next episode because, yes, it's, it, I did come to that same conclusion when you're charging... $75 discounted. I believe it's $100 now for a, uh, you know, a PDF you get in your email. Yeah, there's literally no overhead. <laughs> yes, it's 100% profit. There's yeah. no there's no cost print. All right. Patreon.com slash Hidden Plain Pod. If you've enjoyed yeah. this, there's much uh, much more David Wilcock content on the Patreon. David might not, might not have a Patreon, but we do. Go we give do. Us, go give us fuck of money. With a fuckload of episodes. We're also going to watch... Uh, oh, fuck. What's the name of... Uh, Something with the Johnsons, like there's a problem with the Johnsons. I don't believe you've seen it. Uh, it's it's good. No uh, one read the plot. It'll ruin it for you. <laughs> uh, at Hidden Plainside Radio on Instagram. You're at Brandon Steele Hidden on Instagram. We're at The Hidden Pod on Twitter. And we'll wrap up David's book four on Friday. Hootie hoop. Mom out.